0: Good morning and welcome to this edition of Verse by Verse. I'm Joe Thompson, your host, and we are going to continue our study through the Bible. And today we're in chapter 7. And we're going to move quickly. This is not going to be... I know I said that the last time, and I really mean it this time, because today I've got a packed schedule. I'm busy from uh, from daylight till dark, actually, actually after dark. So... I've got to really book it today to get things done. So we're going to move. So there's there's only 40, what, 47 to 48 verses. We we can get through these. As I have read through chapter 7 in preparation for this today, I I, I think of one word, humility. And God tells us, and I don't have the scripture right here in front of me uh, because i got Luke up on my screen here. But Peter uh, admonishes us to humble ourselves. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Never ask God to humble you, okay? Um, because he can do it. I, I, I guarantee you, he can do it. He admonishes us to humble ourselves. And so we need to, to uh, uh, look at that here today. So in Luke chapter 7, Jesus has just finished, as we talked about on Tuesday uh teaching and he said many of the things again which he said in the sermon on the mount and i tried to point out last time that the geographical location was different than the sermon on the mount so we know it's not the same speech uh or the same teaching but he does say many of the same things over and over again so we we know his teaching but now in chapter one of uh, chapter seven and verse one now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people Uh, he entered into Capernaum. Now, this is up in the north. This is his new headquarters. And we're going to see several instances of people who are humble. And we're we're going to see Jesus here. We're, We're going to hear him speak about people out of their presence. And we can take a lesson from this because many times we want to talk about ourselves and how great we are. And that really doesn't define who we are. What defines who we are and I have no idea what what notification my computer is giving me but anyway um, what defines who we are is not so much what we say about ourselves but what people say about us when we are not there and it's it's very telling sometimes what what people say about us when we're not there whether good or bad and that's generally the truth actually. And so we see the first of a few instances here in chapter seven, and a certain centurion's servant. Now a centurion was a Roman soldier. He had charge of a hundred soldiers. And so he has this servant uh, who was dear unto him. So he was very close, very close friend, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come uh and heal his servant so we have this we have this um centurion and he's got a uh he's very ill and he's sick he's ready to die actually or his servant is sick and someone sends to the jews and here's what they say and when they came to jesus they besought him they besought him um Okay, my screen just went. They besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy, now watch this, for whom he should do do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. So what they're asking from Jesus is a favor, basically, because he built the synagogue, he did all of this, he did all of that, and, you know, he's a good man, you ought to do something for him, you know, to kind of speak a word in the Lord's ear on his behalf. So verse 6, then Jesus, now look what he does here. Then Jesus um, went with them, and and, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent, now watch this, sent friends to him, saying uh, unto him, Lord, trouble trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. So somehow or another the centurion hears about what these men had said to Jesus about him and so forth you know how great he was and all that and this shows the humility of the centurion notice this wherefore neither thought i thought i myself worthy to come unto thee but say in a word and my servant shall be healed so in other words he's saying i'm not really worthy lord these men you know they're puffing me up i'm not worthy you know that you would even come to my house much less do something for me and here's his reason for for I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth; and to another, come, and he cometh; and to my servant, um, well, let's see, and, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So he's like, I'm under a man of authority. I understand authority. Uh, you know, I've got people over me. I'm over people, and so I understand what it means to do what you're told to do. Notice how Jesus reacts. When Jesus heard these things, he marvelled at him, and turned him about and said unto the people. Now notice, Jesus is going to talk to the people about this centurion. Okay, he's going to, you know, he's going to do what we talked about a few minutes ago. The centurion is not talking about himself. Jesus is going to say something about him, and this is important because God knows our hearts, and what He says about us is what's true. Okay that followed that followed him. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now that's significant because Jesus here is talking to the Jewish people and he's saying, look, I have not found even among you Jews the humility and faith of this man, this centurion, this Roman that everybody hated, by the way, Remember we talked about that earlier. Uh, how that, you know, the Jews hated the Romans because they took over their country and so on and so forth. And yet Jesus knows him. And they that were sent returning returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. And so we see the first instance here of humility by someone. And, and you know, uh, here again we see several examples. We'll see another one here. And it came to pass the day after he went uh, he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now, uh, where were the twelve? Well, okay, so many of his disciples were. Most of them there. Where were the others? We don't know the answer to that. But notice what he sees here. Um, now when he came nigh to, uh, to the gate of the city, he's about to enter in now. Behold, there was there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother now notice this this is a family here obviously the father's obviously either dead or something's happened here and and here is a young man we know this from later in the text and he has died of some disease or somehow or another I don't know how he died the Bible doesn't tell us and his mom his poor mother is here and she is about to bury her son and Jesus notices this now notice this and she was a widow okay so the man died and much people of the city uh, was with her. So they were offering their support. Notice what happens here. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. Now remember, this is a mother whose son died. She's a widow. And we talked the other day about that. And I told you that there was no mourning like a mother's mourning. There is just no sound like a wailing mother when you have a child who has died. And that's exactly what we have here. And Jesus saw this, and no doubt he heard her wailing. And he had compassion on her. And, you know, I can't think of a more humble situation here. Uh, no doubt this man supported her and helped her. She's a widow. And he is the only child, and she is left basically alone in this world. And you know, God cares. God cares about the people that are alone in this world. And He does. And, and He will take care of them. Notice He talks a lot about in the Psalms. If you'll read the Psalms, uh, you will read a lot about the fatherless. You'll read about orphans. You'll read about widows. God cares for those people who cannot care for themselves. You know, there's an old saying that's not, by the way, not true. Uh, and you know, I, I could write a book. I'm writing a book now. I've written one. I'm working on number two right now, actually. Uh, But, you know, I I, I could write a book on things that people say the Bible says that aren't really there, okay? There's a lot of things that people say the Bible says that really don't say it, okay? One of those things is God helps those who help themselves. And that is just simply not true. God helps those who cannot help themselves, And that's just our way of puffing up ourselves, and you know, uh, we want everybody to see how great we are because God helps us because we help ourselves. Not really true. Not true at all, actually. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And this is an example right here of a woman who cannot. She has no one now. She's about to bury the only child she has, her husband's dead. She's, I mean, she's finished as far as the world's concerned, but Jesus looks on her with compassion. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he, notice this, and he delivered him to his mother. What a touching sight there. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, notice this, that a great prophet is risen up among us, and and that God hath visited his people. Which is, by the way, the reason Jesus did all these miracles, okay? He didn't do this for show, okay? Jesus never does anything for show. He did all of these things so that people in Israel, the Jewish people, could see that He's the Messiah. He's the one. And folks, let me point this out again. He came the first time, and I got news for you. He's coming the second time. Jesus is your Messiah. If you're listening to this podcast and if you're Jewish, let me just say to you, Jesus is your Messiah. He came the first time 2,000 years ago. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem, born of a Virgin Mary, born of the Virgin, uh, Virgin Mary. It's early this morning. And He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for you. And He rose again the third day. He's alive today and He's coming again. And I'm hearing stories about Israel and with this war that's going on and a lot of people in Israel, they're turning to God. Now, they have not yet come to the place where they will accept Jesus as the Messiah yet, but that's the first step. They're turning to God. They're turning back to the Old Testament scriptures And we just need to pray that God will open their eyes as they read the Old Testament prophets and realize that Jesus is their Messiah and they'll trust him. And by the way, that's going to happen one day. Israel will accept their Messiah one day. They haven't yet, but they will one day. In the middle of the tribulation period, the false Christ, the false Messiah, who will one day step on the scene and make Israel all these promises, uh, he will show his true colors in the middle of the tribulation period and defile the temple that will be rebuilt. And they will realize, oh no, he's not the one. And they will flee into a place, perhaps Petra, we don't know that, but they will flee somewhere. And they will then realize that Jesus is their Messiah and they will accept him. Many will turn to the Lord in that day. And at the very end of the tribulation period, the Son of God and God the Son, Jesus, will return to this earth and he will set foot on the Mount of Olives. And the world will see him whom they pierced, and they will accept him as their Messiah, finally, once and forever. And so Jesus is your Messiah. That's why he did all these things. Verse 17, And this rumor of him went forth throughout all, notice this, throughout all Judea, and throughout all the region round about. Now here's another example here. And the disciples of John showed him at a, showed him of all these things now remember john's in prison now okay john's been arrested by herod he's been put in prison and john even shows humility here now remember who john is john is the cousin of the lord jesus christ and if anybody ought to know who jesus is and what he's here for john should know but yet john has doubts and you know what some of you are listening to me this morning and you know what you have doubts Things are happening in your life. Things are upside down in your world. Uh, things haven't turned out like you expected, and you have doubts. And and you know, I Paul says in First Corinthians, by the foolishness of preaching, you know, but not foolish preaching. And may I just say, there are so much there 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 is so much foolish preaching today. And some of that preaching, you know, people say things like, well, you know, you should never ask God why, you should never question. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. And here we have John the Baptist, you know, uh, he's going to question, he's a little concerned. Wait a minute, are you who you say you are? And Jesus is going to say some things about John out of his presence, as I pointed out earlier. And what people say about you outside your presence, that's the truth, usually. And here's another case of that. Look at verse 19. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or or look we for another? Uh, I'm a little confused, uh, Jesus. You know, things didn't work out like I thought they would. I've been preaching, prophesying, and I'm in prison, and probably going to get my head cut off. Uh, have I put all my eggs in the wrong basket? You know, that's what he's saying here. Some of you may be asking that. You know, is this thing called Christianity real? is the bible really the book that pastor joe says it is well okay we have doubts sometimes and let's be honest about that god wants us to be honest and you know what god is big enough to handle our doubts he's big enough he's not going to get mad at you when you ask him things like that he loves you he cares for you he wants you to know well guess what happens the lord answers okay and he's going to point back to what he has done watch what he says in verse 20. When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now, at this point, Jesus has a choice. Is he going to get really mad and say, Hey, that guy should have known. You know, I tried to tell him he didn't listen, blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't do that at all. Look what he says in verse 21. And in that same hour, he, notice this, he cured many of their uh, infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many, watch this, that were blind, he gave sight. I like that one, by the way. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John, this is the message, what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see the lame walk uh, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf here. I like that one too, by the way. And the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached unto the, um, to the poor. The gospel is preached, I'm sorry. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now watch this. For when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Now, I'll read this rest of this in just a moment, but I just want you to see something here. He tells them, "Look, you go back, you tell John what all you saw uh, you know, what all you've seen today. Blind people see, lame people walk, deaf people hear, people are cured, all that. And in other words, you go back to the Word of God and find out what God has done in the past. So, if you have doubts, what do you do? Well, you go back to this book called the Bible and you spend time in it." And those things that God says in His Word will cure all of your doubts and my doubts. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I encourage you to read the Word of God, but I also encourage you to listen to the Word of God. And I challenge you, listen, read six chapters a day of the Word of God. Read six chapters. They don't take 30 minutes probably, or listen to six chapters. It takes you 30 minutes probably a day. Some more, some less. But usually six chapters will take about 30 minutes, okay? And you know what? It'll make such a difference in your life. It really will. Okay, notice what Jesus says about John. Out of John's hearing, by the way, notice I said earlier what people say about you out of your presence, that's usually the truth. For better or for worse, that's usually the truth. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But... What went ye out for to see uh, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, now watch this, they which are they which are gloriously appareled I can't read too well and live delicious, um, delicately are in king's courts. In other words, you know, did you go out to see somebody who is dressed in a suit and tie every day? No, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, and here's what he says about John. I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he. So he he says it's fulfilled scripture. This is he of whom it is written, Behold. I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way uh, before thee. That's Isaiah. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, that includes all of us, by the way, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Think about that. Out of all the people that have been born, out of all the prophets in the Old Testament, New Testament, all the people today, The greatest is John the Baptist. Now look what he says about the rest of us, though. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. In other words, you know what he's saying today? He's saying those people who will enter the kingdom, the least, the very least of them, they're greater than John the Baptist. And all the people that heard him and the publicans, and and notice we talked about them earlier, justified God being, now notice this: being baptized with the baptism of John. So they thought back and they remembered what they uh, what they experienced before. But the Pharisees, oh, here we go again. We got the church people here now. We got the legalists, and they're going to put in their two cents as as they usually do. But the Pharisees and lawyers, what? They rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized. Big, not baptized of him. So we see a difference here. Humble John and puffed up Pharisees. Well, we've talked about that many times before. And the Lord said, Where unto then shall I liken the men of this generation? Okay, so he talks about this generation. How can I compare this? And to what are they like? He says they are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another, and saying, we have, we have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. In other words, you know, we've played music, you're not dancing. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread, nor drinking wine, and ye say, He hath the devil. The Son of Man is come, "'eating and drinking, and ye say, "'Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, "'a friend of publicans and sinners. "'But wisdom is justified of all her children.'" Um, so we have a situation here, there again, the third situation where God speaks about John the Baptist out of his presence and says what's really in his heart. Another act of humility, uh, uh, another example of humility here on the part of John the Baptist. Now we see a final example of humility here. We're going to close out with this one. This is the story of the two debtors. And we're going to see something that's very, very applicable to our day today. Uh, Have you noticed that when you've you've got a local church situation and and you've got people in your church who... I mean, they come out of, of lives of sin. I mean, they just, they've literally, you know, they've torn their lives apart with sin and God gloriously saves them. Those are the ones that I guarantee you count on, you can count on to, you know, serve the Lord. And, but you got somebody else who gets saved and, you know, they really haven't had the background that other people have. They're just as saved. Don't misunderstand me. They're just as saved, but uh, they don't have a lot of baggage, but yet, you know, They don't seem to want to serve as much. Well, there's a principle here I want to show you. Watch starting in verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, understand what we're talking about when we say sat down to meet. They didn't sit at a table like a dining room table like we have today in our homes. Uh, They would... You, the table was like at floor level, and what they would do, they would recline, if you will, at the table, and they would lean usually on their left side, on their left arm, and they would be facing the table, and their feet, and that's important to notice in this story here, and their feet would be pointed out behind them toward the wall, if you will. So you walk into a room, you got a bunch of people laying around a table side by side, and they're taking bread, and whatever the case may be, and that's the scene that we have here, Jesus is at the dinner table in this case. And what typically would happen when a Pharisee brought someone like Jesus in to eat and then to teach later, people from the town would come into the house and just listen to what the guest had to say, in this case, Jesus. So that's the scene we have here. So Jesus is here at this table, the Pharisees here. Okay, and behold, a woman, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Now we can deduce from, you know, what Jesus talked about here that, you know, probably a woman of the streets, if you will, uh, and that's kind of the connotation here that you know the Bible gives. Which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet. With tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So you can just imagine, you know, this, this, you know, uptown religious Pharisee sees this woman doing this and notice his reaction. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake and notice this here within himself. He didn't say this, he thought in his mind. Uh, spake within himself saying this man if he were a prophet would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him for she is a sinner now notice what Jesus does and Jesus answering said unto him wait a minute I didn't say anything I was thinking ah but Jesus knows your thoughts and so Jesus is going to point this out Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And I'm sure he was you know, real puffed up, you know, and he's going to probably, you know, he's thinking he's going to really get on this woman for what she's doing out in public here, you know, this public setting with all these people here. He tells a parable. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors and one owed 500 pence. That's a lot of money. And the other 50, not as much money. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Okay, so they're both equally forgiven. I want you to see that. Both of these debtors are equally forgiven. One owed more, one owed less, but they were both forgiven. So, in our illustration here, we've got two people in our modern day. One is a really bad sinner. I mean, he you know does drugs, beats his wife, drinks, steals, robs, but he gets gloriously saved. We have another person here that may get saved early in life or even later in life and really hadn't done all that well guess what both of these people are just as saved okay tell me therefore now watch this tell me therefore which of them will love him most simon answered and said i suppose that he to whom he forgave most and he said unto him Thou hast rightly judged. So we have two people. Both are saved. Both are forgiven. One owed a lot and one sinned a lot. One owed a very little. Sinned a little but still sinned. And they both were forgiven. Who will love God the most? That's the kind of what I'm getting ready to see here. Okay, That's what we're talking about. Who will love God the most? The one who he forgave most. And that seems to be so true in our day today. Now, he's going to point this out about this woman here. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. By the way, back in that day, when you went into someone's house, uh, you were given water to wash your feet. That was a, uh, a gesture of hospitality, which this man did not show Jesus, by the way. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So you may have been saying when you heard this earlier, you know when I was talking about, people who are not forgiven much don't love as much, and you you may be saying, well, you know you, you just made a judgment there. Well Jesus just said that, okay? If you're forgiven little, you love little. If you're forgiven a lot, you love a lot. That's what he's saying here. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And I am sure that when she heard that, she was set free. And of course, she was set free. And they that and they that sat at meat with him uh, began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman. Thy faith hath saved thee. go in peace. And you know that there was one thing that will bring peace to a troubled heart and that is the knowledge that you are forgiven by God. Um, I have no idea who I'm talking to when I do these podcasts. I have no idea who I'm you know, talking to, who's listening, but I know this much. I know that you can be forgiven right now today. December 7th, 2023. Whatever your sin is, God will forgive you. You say, well, how can we accomplish that? Well, first of all, admit you're a sinner. Admit to God, I am sinful. I have broken your laws. And then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him and Him alone. And then call out to Him. Call out to Him. And for the saved, I would say to you today, where do you fall in this category? How much do you love God? Remember back what you were like before you were saved. You know, Sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we forget what we came out of. And we just simply forget. And we get all wrapped up in what we do. We get all wrapped up in our, you know, the things we have to do. And we forget that we're just sinners saved by the grace of God. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'll help today us to realize what we're really like before you. And I just ask you to help us to look to you. And I pray today you'd save that one that needs to be saved. That one that's lived a life of sin, help them to come to you just like the woman did by faith and bow before you and ask forgiveness. Lord, help the one who is saved but maybe has not done as much as other people and they think somehow they're better. Lord, we're not, we're we're all indebted to you. And if we're saved, we're all forgiven. Help us to look to you today and to serve you. We thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we'll be back here next week. Uh, Let's see, today's Thursday. Next Tuesday, Lord willing, and we'll be studying, we'll pick up our study in the book of Luke, chapter number eight. Until then, God bless you.